Yo, what is going on everyone? My name is Nick, or The Notorious Fantasy, and in today's video, we're going to be going in-depth into my week number 14 running back start or sit decisions for the 2023 fantasy football season. Inside today's video, we're going to be going in-depth into every single matchup from Thursday Night Football all the way up until the doubleheader on Monday Night Football, telling you guys whether I believe you should start or sit the running backs in all of those games. But before we can run on into things here, I would like to ask that if you guys are new to the channel and you do end up in Join today's video then please make sure to hit that subscribe button down below and while you're down there whether you are new to the channel or not please make sure you leave a like on today's video it would help me out a ton if you want to follow me on twitter or x please do so at notorious fntsy so without further ado let's help you guys you know squeak your way into the playoffs or maybe get that bye week for the playoffs this week so let's get into it week 14 running back start or sit decisions for the 2023 fantasy football season. We begin with a riveting Thursday night football matchup, the New England Patriots at the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the type of game where the night before Wednesday night, you can't even sleep because there's so much excitement. It's like the night before Christmas when you were a little kid and you're like, oh my gosh, Santa's coming. I hope he eats the fucking cookies and he drinks the milk that I left out. You know, it's just that exciting of a matchup. Who is not excited for Bailey Zappi versus Kissin' Titties? Mitchell Trubisky. Now, the Patriots did suffer an injury at running back last week, and the report is as of right now that Ramondre Stevenson could miss multiple games with an ankle sprain. I am as much of a doctor as Johnny Sins, right? I make that joke all the time, so I'm not here to sling out medical advice your way like my name was Aaron Rodgers. But what I will tell you is that I know from playing fantasy so for such a long time that a ankle sprain like this doesn't just heal in four days, right? He is going to miss Thursday night football with such a quick turnaround. Last week up against the LA Chargers, despite the fact that the Patriots reek to high heaven offensively, Ezekiel Elliott, given the reins, had a very solid game. 17 carries for 52 yards with four receptions. For 40 yards. Now, Ezekiel Elliott isn't the Ezekiel Elliott from earlier on in his career, but he isn't washed up completely, right? That old burst that he had is kind of gone, but we know damn well the Patriots' game plan here is to run the rock, churn the ball, and they're going to do that with Zeke. Now, that doesn't make him a must-start running back by any means, right? I'm not going to sit here and bang the drum aggressively for Ezekiel Elliott, but he should be a safe bet to finish as a high-end running back three or a low-end running back two. This matchup is far from ideal, but again, he should see enough touches in this game to be just fine and be serviceable. Ty Montgomery with Stevenson out. The Saints legend will operate as the running back two on the team, which is kind of why I'm so confident in Zeke, because Ty Montgomery Montgomery just isn't very good and now that I say that he's going to get a touchdown or maybe two touchdowns on Thursday because this is a game that might only have one or two touchdowns in it and I'm being completely serious when I say that. Najee Harris is going to be dealing with kissing titties Mitchell Trubisky under center as Kenny Pickett needed surgery for his high ankle sprain. Trubisky might honestly be an upgrade with how bad that Pickett has played this season. In terms of Najee and Warren, Najee outtouched Jalen last week up against the Arizona Cardinals, but it's not by some crazy margin, right? It was a close touch split. Najee is a lower end start this week. But I would definitely lean with Najee right now over Jalen Warren. This offense definitely feels like it is kind of played way better now that Matt Okanida, that stooge, is gone. So again, even going to Mitch Trubisky, it's not like this offense is going to completely fall off. This wasn't a good offense in general. So Najee Harris should be just fine. He's a lower end start on the week, but just like with Ramondre Stevenson, he should receive enough volume to not completely bury him. Jalen Warren, like I said with Najee, I do have Warren ranked behind Najee Harris, but not by very much. Again, I don't think we should really be expecting too much here, but there are a lot worse options than guys like Jalen Warren, Najee Harris, and Ezekiel Elliott this week. Moving now to the Sunday slate, we begin with Rashad with two A's white of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, Rashad White, to me, has been one of the biggest surprises in fantasy football this season. Entering into the season, I thought that Rashad White would struggle. He'd be on the struggle bus because he is very inefficient, right? He gets the carries, but he doesn't do much 
with it, and I was completely correct. He averages 3.7 yards per carry, but he sees so much work every single game that it doesn't fucking matter. He has been a top 12 running back in PPR in five of seven games. With one of those games where he was outside the top 12 running back, he was the running back 13. Last week up against the Carolina Panthers, he had 20 carries for 84 yards, as well as three receptions for 22 yards and a touchdown. When a guy is running this hot, when they're playing this well, you just have to start him. But I'm sure if you're a Rashad White owner, you know that already because you've watched him pop off in your lineup. Maybe sometimes you sat him, but you got to realize now that you got to fire him up, especially against the Falcons defense. Chase Edmonds is a three touch at max type of a player. He does kind of feel like the clear handcuff for Rashad White if something was to happen. Knock on wood, we don't root for injuries. But that doesn't really mean much with Rashad healthy, so I would sit Chase Edmonds. For the Atlanta Falcons, Bijan was okay at best against the Jets in MetLife. That was a very rainy game, so I expected Bijan to really have a better game there, but it is what it is, right? He didn't completely fuck you over, didn't completely bend you over the table. He still got a bunch of carries and targets, so I definitely forecast a much stronger performance outing here up against the Buccaneers. I think Bijan should finish inside the top 12 as long as Arthur Smith doesn't switch up the plan, right? As long as Arthur Smith continues to give Bijan the ball, he's going to be just fine. Now, it would appear for Tyler Algier, who's a sit, that Arthur Smith has realized coming out the bye week that Bijan Carey, uh, Bijan Carey, Bijan Robinson deserves to have a Game of Thrones level feast. If you've ever read the books, George R.R. R. Martin, that fat bastard wrote in the book, it's like, oh, the, the legs of the turkey taste like this, the fucking everything, it just sounds like it tastes so good, right? It's like a fat guy wrote it because he did, right? So it's a Game of Thrones level feast for Bijan Robinson right now. And now with Algier, taking more of a back seat, he becomes unstartable. So you can't sit or you can't start Tyler Algier and you got to start Mr. B. John Robinson. Next up, we got the Detroit Lions at the Chicago Bears. Now, the Detroit Lions in my head, in my head, should have steamrolled the Saints on Sunday. The Saints were getting pile-drived in that game. They were getting straight up haymakers to the domicile. They couldn't answer early on. And then Derek Carr goes down, and then the comeback starts to happen from Mr. Famous Jameis Winston, but ultimately the Lions prevail. And what that tells me is that the Lions defense is such a complete and utter fucking disaster that this game, despite the fact that Fields has been pretty up and down when he's healthy, to be a high-scoring game. Now, David Montgomery has been hotter than Selena Gomez over the last four weeks with four straight games with a touchdown. Monty is, by definition, a must start running back. You look up must start running back in the Webster Dictionary and a picture of David Montgomery shows up. This is also a revenge game for David Montgomery. Most weeks, Monty sees 15 plus carries on a great offense with a great offensive line. He is a no-brainer start to me. Now, Jameer Gibbs over the last two weeks has fallen outside of the top 20 running backs in both games. We all recognize the talent, the skill that Gibbs possesses it is only evident when watching, or it is not only, sorry. This is why I try not to read off too many notes, right? We just got some stats written down. It is not only just evident when you are watching the game that Jameer Gibbs is really fucking good, but when you look into the stats where he's averaging 5.4 yards per carry, he's really good. With all that said, though, Gibbs is going to have to start falling down the rankings because of how much they use David Montgomery. Even with a matchup being this great, shout out Tony the Tiger, he will not be in my top 12 running backs this week. Now, again, I'm not trying to dig a grave for Jameer Gibbs, right? Have him dig his own grave like that Russian dude in The Sopranos when, uh, obviously, Christopher... Chrissy and Paulie Walnuts are chasing him down. If you know, you know. But we're not making Jameer Gibbs dig his own grave here. But again, my excitement level has definitely lessened. For the Chicago, Chicago Bears, 
With Herbert back in this offense, to me, there is really no clear running back one. This is a three-headed backfield with Herbert, Roshan, and Foreman all seeing touches. I wouldn't get cute and try and start any of these running backs, if I'm being completely honest with you. Would it surprise anyone if Foreman led the team in touches, or Herbert, or Roshan, right? It's a complete and utter fucking crapshoot. And even... If this becomes that high-scoring slugfest back-and-forth affair with the Lions, I don't think any of these Chicago running backs will stand much taller over one another, and I think they all end up being washes for fantasy this week. Next up, we move to the Indianapolis Colts at the Cincinnati Bengals. And speaking of washes, that is exactly what Zach Moss was last week. Everyone and their mother was metaphorically chortling the balls of Zach Moss last week, me included, right? Pause, right? I was all over the Zach Moss bandwagon, and this poor bastard got me eight fantasy points. The thought process made perfect sense. No Jonathan Taylor, and you're going up against the Tennessee Titans defense that is not great against the run, right? But nothing went Moss's way. Now, he got a million opportunities, right? They're on the goal line, they're handing him the ball, and he just keeps getting denied. Like he had a fake ID or something, right? He could not get into the end zone. Entrance denied over and over and over, right? It just kept happening. But I, for one, am not going to overreact to a down game because the situation here could be very solid up against the Bengals' defense. And Zach Moss has a proven track record this season of being able to put up elite games without Jonathan Taylor. So yes, I'm going to be a little bit more cautious now. And this week, I'm not going to give him the Gawk Gawk 9000 special, but I still fully accept, fully expect him to be a top 12 running back when the week comes to a close. Ray Sermon, the good word, even with JT out, Sermon had just one target last week. There's no reason to waste my breath talking about him. He's a clear sit. Now, for the Bengals, I, for one, had zero belief that Joe Mixon could go that fucking crazy on Monday Night Football. I don't think even the biggest Bengals fan, right, the guy that they showed during the game with the huge beard died like a Bengal. Not even that man, the biggest Bengals fan, would have expected what we saw on Monday Night Football, right? Maybe they thought they'd keep it close, but no, the Bengals won the game. Mixon was, as the kids say, was standing on business last night against the Jaguars. During a Jake Browning masterclass, Mixon had 19 carries for 68 yards, one off of being very nice. I like with 69. He also had six receptions on 70 or on seven targets for 49 yards and two total touchdowns. As the drum roll, please, running back one on the week. While I doubt Branding can keep up that heat. Mixon has moved up my rankings in terms of confidence going forwards as long as Browning is competent and against the Colts defense. It would be no shock at all if he finished as a top five running back. Chase Brown emerged as the running back two on this team over Travion Williams, and he had nine carries last week for 61 yards. Even with that said, and even though he looked real shifty and looked pretty good, I doubt he is able to see enough work for me to be comfortable starting him. Next up, we got the Jaguars, and the Jaguars got a dagger. The Jaguars fans and the Jaguars team got a dagger shot into the heart of of them Julius Caesar style when Trevor Lawrence went down and it was one of those injuries where instantly you realize something is wrong where instantly you can pick up again the untrained eye can pick up that holy fuck this guy looks hurt and it looks bad now the initial diagnosis on Lawrence is a sprained ankle we still have to wait for the news to come out as the days go on to figure out how much time he misses it seems like he did not suffer a insane injury, but obviously any injury that could knock him out multiple weeks is a huge loss for the Jaguars when the Colts and when the Houston Texans are kind of nipping at the spot, the number one spot on top of the AFC South. So without T-Law, big dick CJ Beathard will be the quarterback one on the team. I do worry that Beathard being under center will jolt this offense in the wrong direction going forward. It does make me a lot more cautious with ETN and ranking him super highly. Though, he should get enough checkdowns to make up for it. He is no longer 
a must start for me, right? He's no longer a guy where it's like you don't even have to fucking think twice about it. He's going in your lineup. Now, he's still going to be a top 12 in running back in my rankings, probably close to running back and or 11 or 12. But I'm not going to sit here and pretend like he's as safe as he was a couple of weeks ago because even when he was struggling, you still knew you had to start him. And that's because of the game that ETN had tonight, especially when Lawrence was healthy. Deardis Johnson definitely now appears to be the handcuff for ETN at this point in the season. He has shown some spark for us at a couple points this season, but with him getting five or fewer touches most weeks, there's really no need to chance it and play him. Jerome Ford, F-150, scored a touchdown last week on a beautiful throw from Cool Joe Flacco up against the Rams in LA. I was kind of shocked that with Flacco under center, though, that the team didn't try to rely as much on the run. Now, I get it does kind of make sense because the Rams hit the Browns with the Darth Vader force choke, right? The Rams were raw-dogging the Browns in that game pretty quickly, taking on a sizable lead. So I get you have to stay away from the run. But against the Jags with Beathard under center, I don't think that that crazy lead will happen. Now, maybe C.J. Beathard has a master class like we saw Jake Browning have last night on Monday Night Football, but I don't think that will be the case. I think this will be a closer game. So Ford should be fine, but again, having Joe Flacco under center, it just really reduces the upside he has. He's a high-end running back three for me. Again, would definitely much rather have ETN than Jerome Ford. Kareem Hunt, ever since Ford has been back, Kareem Hunt just doesn't hit like he used to. Right? I do still think he has the juice left to be successful, but with Ford being the guy, there's quite literally zero reason to believe in Hunt based upon his production over the last five weeks. If you guys have enjoyed this far, make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Whether you are new to the channel or not, make sure you leave a like on today's video. It would help me out a ton. Next up, we got the Carolina Panthers at the New Orleans Saints. This is a game that originally you would probably rather watch paint dry than watch this one. You'd probably rather have your balls stepped on by someone rocking high heels than watch this one. But now we get to watch famous Jameis Winston, baby. So now this game goes from being a snooze fest, shout out Snorlax, to being a game that I'm kind of low-key excited to watch. Obviously, not the best football is going to occur on your TV if you flip this one on, but... On red zone, it's going to cut to Hanson. He's going to be like, oh, and we got Jameis Winston with a interception, right? And then he's going to come back again with a touchdown, right? It's so fun watching Jameis Winston. He's just amazing. He's a national treasure. But before we got into the Panthers at the Saints, as well as the rest of the games at the running back position, I would like to give you guys a quick word for our friends and our sponsor over at Under. Dog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best place to play NFL Pick'em in the whole entire universe, and today Underdog Fantasy has a great offer for you guys that we'll be talking about in just a couple of seconds, but first I want to explain how the Underdog Pick'em works. So you're going to have to select a minimum of two players from at least two different teams. In today's version of this, we'll be talking about the Lions at the Bears game. Now there's going to be a lot more options to choose from as the week goes along, but this video is being recorded on Monday night, early Tuesday morning so that you guys can watch it when you're watching it so we're gonna have to go ahead and look at the offerings that they have right now so we're gonna go ahead and go with David Montgomery higher than 68 and a half rushing yards in this spot as well as DJ Moore higher than 63 and a half receiving yards I think this will be a very high scoring game I think Montgomery should easily be able to get higher than that number and I believe with Justin Fields back under center with him looking as good as he's looked DJ Moore should be able to have a very solid game against a pretty bad Lions defense so if both of these hit we'll get three times our entry fee if you want to do three picks it's six times four picks is ten times and five picks is 20 times your entry fee. All of the picks, of course, have to hit if you live in one of the states on your screen right now and you are new to Underdog and use promo code Notorious, you'll get a first match deposit bonus up to $100. You deposit $100. They give you an additional $150, additional $50, $10, and additional $10. The minimum deposit on Underdog is $10. If you have a gambling problem, please make sure that you call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back on into things here, Panthers at Saints. When it comes to the Saints, Alvin Kamara hit the Lions with the 619 Ray Mysterio last week with over 100 all purpose yards with six catches and two total touchdowns. It does certainly suck for Alvin Kamara that Carr is hurt. 
I know Carr is like the most basic quarterback in the NFL, right? It's like having missionary sex. Sure, sometimes it's fun when, you know, Carr doesn't turn the ball over. But, you know, sometimes you need to switch things up, right? You need to get into the wheelbarrow position sometimes, right? And that is exactly what Jameis Winston does. But, again, Derek Carr being a check-down merchant, a check-down machine. And Carr loves check-downs more than Jon Snow loves his queen, McQueen. That's a fucking funny joke if you've watched <laughs> Game of Thrones. That, that's a real funny one. That's a real pull deep from my brain. Regardless, even with Jameis the Crab Stealer under center... Kamara still has top three upside. He is a must-start. And I know some people might be thinking, Nick, you said your joke was funny, so it probably wasn't funny. Well, if you watched the Game of Thrones, I think you would have gotten that one. You might have laughed, and you might be pissed because you just remembered where that's from, the final season of the show. That was a complete and utter disaster. Jamal Williams, he's a sit. Comparing this season to last season for Jamal, Jamal Williams will make Jamal Williams stands cry. Genuinely, it's so tough. For us Jamal Williams guys out there, he just isn't involved in New Orleans one bit. He shouldn't even be rostered in your fantasy league. For the Panthers, Cuba Hubbard's a start. Now, I was very interested to see how the touch split would work last week between Hubbard and Sanders with Frank Reich fired Celebrity Apprentice style. What I wanted them to do was give the keys, give the reins to the backfield to Chuba, and they did exactly that. In Tampa, he had 25 rushes for 104 yards and two scores as a top eight back. Having a great running game will help Bryce Young develop into the NFL quarterback that the Panthers want. While that was very likely his ceiling game, it wouldn't be all that crazy for him to be a top 16 running back, which is something he's done multiple times this season. He is far from the must-start category, but most teams he would slot in as your running back number two. Miles Sanders, he's a sit. This motherfucker robbed the Panthers organization for everything they got when they signed him in the offseason. This man hasn't gotten more than 10 fantasy points since week three. That's months ago at this point. Feels like a decade ago. Chuba has a stranglehold over this backfield, so there's no reason to start Miles Sanders. Next up, we move to game number seven, the Houston Texans at the New York Jumbo Jets. Now, for the Jets, the quarterback room there appears to be in shambles as the team reportedly wanted to go back to Zach Wilson, and then allegedly, now this is all alleged, Zach Wilson hit him with the Fuck no, baby. But then Rodgers rang Zach and said, Hey, buddy, I know that you might be worried that playing again might potentially ruin your career because you might get hurt. But what I'll tell you is that if you don't play, that's career. You know, that's really bad for your career. You got to play so that you can get a backup job somewhere in the future because obviously you suck donkey cock as the starting quarterback of the Jets. So it seems like Zach's going to be back. That's my best bet that the MILF Hunter starts on Sunday. Regardless of who starts, though, Hall should see enough checkdowns to keep his head above water. If Zach Wilson manages to play halfway decent, Hall could be a top 10 back. Should be a safe bet to be a RB2, and that's where I will have him ranked. Dalvin Cook, there's been reports that like maybe they try to use Cook more. But to be honest with you, starting Dalvin Cook and expecting him to be good is like fucking a chick with gonorrhea and being shocked that your cock is burning when you go to take a piss in the morning. So Dalvin Cook is a clear sit. Damian Pierce, to me, it appears that he has taken over as the lead back on the team. He got 15 carries last week to single Terry's eight, as well as Pierce getting a touchdown. Now, I won't sit here and jump for joy claiming that Pierce is back because I am a Pierce truther and I love Alec Pierce. So he's clearly not back to being a start. But what I will say, him getting more work than Singletary fully eliminates Singletary from being start-worthy. And with them splitting work, it also means that you can't start Pierce either. This seems like a backfield while the team is so electric, while CJ Stroud is so fun, the team's so fun to follow. This backfield is a must-avoid. Based on everything that I said about Damian Pierce, you should obviously know that Singletary is a sit. Next up, we got the LA Rams at the Baltimore Ravens. A very fun game to break down at running back. Now, we all know that everybody hates Chris, but everyone who has Kyron Williams loves to start him. 
ever since returning from injury, Kyron has put defenses into the walls of Jericho. Three touchdowns in both games, right? Three total touchdowns, right? If he ripped off three touchdowns in both games, I would probably be crowning this guy as like a fantasy football legend because if Kyron came back for you, this is a guy that will be that oomph that might be needed for you to get into the playoffs because I know some teams with Kyron Williams, they've been on the struggle bus, right? They've been struggling trying to patch up their running back room, but now they've got a clear hammer piece on their team. And both of those games where he had three total touchdowns, he had over 100 all-purpose yards. Even against the Ravens defense, I have to believe that Kyron will put up huge Numbers. He is clearly a must start. Now, Rolls Royce Freeman had me a little bit tricked last week. Now, I'd be lying to you if I said that I was telling people to start him because that is untrue. But I did really feel like, even with Kyron back on the team in week 12, that Royce Freeman, from playing so well, had earned a role in this offense. In that game, he had 13 carries for 77 yards. So it's like, okay, while Kyron's back, like, you know, maybe they bump Royce down to like eight, six carries, but you know, he's still going to get touches. They completely pulled the plug on him, granting him just one carry last week. Now Freeman should be back, 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 back on your bench. The Ravens, this is where things get mighty exciting here. The Ravens were on bye last week. Prior to the bye, up against the Chargers on Sunday night football, Mitchell had nine carries for 64 yards and two receptions for 25 yards. In that game, Mitchell took over as the lead back. He played 46% of the snaps on the team last week compared to Justice Hill's 28% and Gus Bus Edwards' 27%. He outcarried Gus in that game as well as having the same amount of targets as Gus and Hill combined. This is all leading up to what could potentially be the greatest letdown game ever. They're coming out the bye week. It's like, okay, they're obviously going to ramp up Keaton Mitchell. I've talked about this guy. I know I said it in the waiver wire ad video, so you're probably, some people might be like, Nick, you sound like a broken record. I've said this before. He's like, discount Devin A-Chain, right? Again, that's not to shit on Keaton Mitchell, but Devin A-Chain, the speedy guy, great offense. He was drafted not in the first round, but middle round pick. You know, super speedy, fast, quick movements. And then Mitchell, undrafted, very fast, very fun to watch. So it is very comparable. And I don't want to sit here and really give the Gawk Gawk 9000 special here to Mitchell because I'm very worried that we are going to get the wool pull over our eyes, right? And then Gus Edwards is back to getting a million goal line carries. And then if you start Keaton Mitchell, you're fucked. But... I have to assume that coming out the bye week, they are ready to keep giving Mitchell the touches that he deserves. For me, I would definitely start him over Gus, and he's a high-end running back three because we know the upside is so high. But again, I would be lying to you if I said I was fully confident in Keaton Mitchell entering this game. In terms of confidence, my confidence in Gus Edwards is at an all-time low. It's falling out of favor because I think that this Ravens offense really wants to give that that uh, those touches to the more energizing, like the bunny, the back, right, in Keaton Mitchell. Last week, or last game, because again, they're on the bye week, the last game was his first game without a touchdown, dating all the way back to week six. Gus Edwards, to me, is a desperation start. You pray to the football gods above, please let me get a touchdown for Gus Edwards, so he's fine. Definitely would probably be a sit, though, in my opinion, if the two other teams that were on by were not on by. Next up, we move to the cold like Minnesota Vikings at the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, Alexander Madison, playing Madison over the last three weeks, has felt like, if you've ever seen that old cartoon where Willie Coyote tries to run through the tunnel, but the tunnel's painted on, right, so he smashes through the wall, right? You can see the greatness on the other side, but you end up just fucking constantly running into a wall when you start Madison. Something always goes wrong. Now, this matchup up against the Raiders' defense will have you salivating the night before, right? It'll have you having a wet dream, which is making me rank him as a running back, too. But this is far from a must-start, right? But in sticky situations, you could lean with Madison. Now, Ty Chandler had his workload suppressed Last time out against the Bears on a riveting primetime matchup, if you guys remember that one, it was only like two weeks ago, so obviously you probably still remember. That game fucking sucked. 
Um, he had four carries for eight yards and one reception for three yards. If the team is really pushing back towards using Madison more, Chandler is back fading into irrelevancy. So again, that might be great for Madison, but no bueno for Ty Chandler. Now, Josh Jacobs looked like last season's Josh Jacobs against the Chiefs prior to the bye week. 20 carries for 110 yards with four receptions for 15 yards and a touchdown. My problem with the Raiders is very clear. And anyone who's watched a Raiders game in its entirety this year is a Raiders fan or is a football fan who watched Raiders games, right? You will realize that they will come out the gate on fire NBA jam style. They will come out looking like the Dolphins offense, right? An offense that just smacks the defense up early on. And then by the second quarter, they're stuck in that quicksand, right? They're stuck in molasses. They cannot move the ball. So Jacob should be a reliable start regardless, right? Even if they peter off later on in the game. But I will urge you not to get your hopes up if Jacobs gets in on the first drive, right? He scores that touchdown like, okay, this is the game where Jacobs pops that cherry, scores two, three touchdowns, right? He gets 150 yards, right? 30 receiving yards, right? He goes crazy. Probably not going to happen because, again, once they get done with those scripted plays they've got going into the game, it just doesn't really work after that. Demir White and Abdullah split the running back two roll. There's no reason to really talk about either of them, though, because... They're not going to see more than five touches each weekly. Next up, we got the Seattle Seahawks at the San Francisco 49ers. Now, if the Seahawks offense plays how they did last week, and maybe the 49ers defense goes into like a little shell like a turtle, then this could be a really fun game. But this also has the ability to really get out of hand where the 49ers are laying haymakers into the Seahawks. They hit them with the Cleveland steamer, take a dump right on their chest, and this one could get over Quickly, again, I, for one, as a fantasy fan, I'm hoping this is a real high-scoring game, but we saw this game just two weeks ago on Thanksgiving, and uh, things didn't go too well for the Seahawks. They were sleeping with the fishes. So Christian McCaffrey is truly the eighth wonder of the world. This man has just been so consistent. He's more consistent than Stephen Curry shooting free throws. 12 games played, 17 touchdowns, only one game in the season where he didn't score a touchdown, and he was still fine in that game. His upside... To smash your opponent Khabib style is high. He can do it by himself. He can put your team on his back. Darren Sharper, hold my dick. He is a clear start and will be ranked as my running back one this week, which is shocker to no one because he's my running back one in my rankings every single week. Doesn't matter which defense he's playing against. He's my RB1. Mitchell is nothing but a handcuff. We'll only really see him get some action if it's a blowout, which it could be, but I'm still not going to start him. Zach Charbonnet did get dinged up with a knee injury towards the end of their very exciting matchup against the Cowboys last week in a game in which he had his breakout performance with over 80 all-purpose yards and a touchdown. With that said, Pete Carroll didn't appear to be too nervous about him missing serious time. Now, if you know about Pete Carroll reporting injuries, you probably shouldn't trust too much that comes out of his mouth. So take that with a grain of salt, right? There's times where Pete Carroll will talk about a guy, like, and you would have thought that this dude legitimately got fucking shot, like, <laughs> walking into the stadium or something. Like, someone hit him Tanya Harden special right before the game. And then he's fine, like, a week later, right? You're thinking he's out for the season, he's fine a week later. And there's other times where it's like, that's him chewing his gum, right? He's chewing his gum, munching on that shit. Shout out Ice Spice. And then out of nowhere, he's like... Dude, I think I think this guy's going to be fine, right? He's, he's going to be fine, right? It's not a serious injury. And the guy's out for the whole season. So, again, take what I said about Pete Carroll with a grain of salt. Now, if he does play against the 49ers, he is basically one of the last guys in as a start. Now, I really like the talent. I've talked about Zach Charbonnet all, all offseason. But I just don't trust him one bit against a defense that completely locked up the Philadelphia Eagles Oz style last week and a team that dealt out back shots to the Seahawks just two weeks ago on Thanksgiving. I'm very scared to start Charbonnet. And I think you should be too. Wiki wiki. DJ Dallas if Charbonnet was to miss because of the injury, then Dallas would get the, the nod to start. Dallas is not as skilled as Charbonnet, thus even with him getting more touches, you would have to sit him. Again, if you guys have enjoyed this far, Hit that subscribe button, smash that subscribe button like it owes you some money, and lightly caress that like button, you know?
Hulk smash that subscribe button, though, if you are new. I really appreciate all you guys. Love you guys so much. Again, I try not to sit here and get emotional during the videos, but it does really mean a lot to me, the support we are seeing this deep into the season. And I hope you guys are with me all the way to your fantasy football championship so we can hopefully eat that W, Jameis Winston style. Next up, we got the Buffalo Bills at the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, the Chiefs are on fraud alert, right? The Chiefs were on the back ropes, you know, up against the ropes against the Raiders, and obviously the Raiders did their typical thing where they're smacking them up early on, and then the Raiders just, you know, sleeping later on in the game. But the Chiefs really, the Chiefs really smacked up the Packers on Sunday Night Football. So, you know, the Chiefs might be on fraud watch. I've been talking about this all season. This isn't the Chiefs offense that we've been used to in the past. Now, I'm not ready to completely write them off, Geno Smith style, right? I'm not ready to say the Chiefs fucking suck cock the Chiefs are not going to make the playoffs or the Chiefs are going to be a one and done in the playoffs because you all know the second they get to the playoffs that Andy Reid is going to develop a concoction of sugar spice and everything nice and Canarius Tony is going to look like fucking Randy Moss Sky Moore is going to turn into Julian Edelman and uh, Rashi Rice is going to turn into Megatron right that's just what's going to happen because that's what the Chiefs do Elsie's going to look like his old self right but in the regular season right now I am worried if I was a Chiefs fan I'd be worried now as a Dolphins fan, I know, Nick, you're supposed to hate the Buffalo Bills, and I do. I do, as Post Malone would say. But what I will tell you, that, you know, to try to keep the Dolphins at bay with the one seed that we got, shout out to the Bengals, I want the Bills to beat the Chiefs. Gives, you know, I understand that maybe now the Bills could win the division, which they're not going to. This is a big game for the Dolphins. I'm rooting on the Bills. Shout out the Bills this week. So, James Cook was great. Shout out Tony the Tiger again up against the Eagles in week 12. Hook had 16 carries for 43 yards, as well as six receptions on seven targets for 57 yards. He averages 4.8 yards per carry on the season. The Chiefs defense is pretty middle of the road against the run. So with Buffalo seemingly committing far more to the run with Joe Brady as the OC after they they axed Ken Dorsey out of there, we gotta feel more confident in James Cook compared to normal. Now, Latavius Murray got nine carries for 30 yards with three receptions on five targets for 18 yards against the Eagles. With a further emphasis on the Bills running the rock, churning the clock, we should see a more reliable amount of carries for Latavius week in and week out. But even with more carries, you know, being a lot more safe, I just don't see Latavius really getting that huge bump in touches unless Cook was to get benched for fumbling again. So I'd stay away from Latavius. Pacheco last week, as he does every week, just ran so angrily. He ran like every single defender on the Green Bay Packers just fucked his girlfriend or something. Pacheco had 18 carries for 110 yards with three receptions on four targets for 13 yards and a touchdown on Sunday Night Football. Now, he also had an additional fucking punch thrown in there like he was Floyd Money Mayweather against a Pats, a, a Pats, a Packers defensive player. And he got an ejection at the end of the game as well. Pacheco has had two top 10 games in a row, and despite the woes of the Chiefs passing attack that we've talked about, you have to fire up Pacheco with supreme confidence against a Bills defense that, in my opinion, is not the best up against the run. Now, whether or not Jarek McKinnon returns does not really change my opinion on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. It seems like, at the most unopportune times, Andy Reid just, for some reason, is like, holy fuck, and that's obviously not what Andy Reid sounds like. Just not. But Andy Reid is just thinking, oh my god, it's time for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Like, we're on the goal line, it's his time. When Pacheco will run through a fucking brick wall like he's the Kool-Aid man, and they, they give it to Clyde, and it just doesn't work. It's fucking annoying. I'm being honest. Clyde Edwards-Alaire stinks, man. He, he just does. I, I don't want to be mean to him. I think he'll be in the league for a while, but he's just not very good. Next up, we move to the Denver Broncos at the Los Angeles Superchargers. For the Broncos, Javante played pretty mid against the Texans last week in Houston with 13 carries for 46 yards, as well as three receptions for 24 yards. Against the Chargers, assuming that he gets 15-plus touches again, he could easily f find the inside track to be a top 10 running back. As of right now, I has him. I has him. What the fuck, dude? This is why I need to stop recording videos after Monday Night Football because I get a little bit delirious and I sound a little fucking stupid. I say dumb things, but hey, sometimes people enjoy this more. It's a very real video, right? That's just how I am. It's 
3.31 a.m. right now. I've got him as a high-end running back, too. I assume Russ won't be a turnover machine here like he was last week, so that should help Javante as well. Samaj P. Ryan has been a very up-and-down player over the last few weeks. We have seen his upside, and his upside's pretty high. Samaj P. Ryan's a solid player, but the thing is... His touches fluctuate so much weekly. Like, some weeks he's, like, getting 10 touches. Some weeks he's 3. So, if you can't really rely on his touches, even against the Chargers defense, which is a great matchup for him, I'm just not going to start him. Now, the Chargers, the Chargers, the Chargers, man. The Chargers fucking suck. I know that the Chargers are always a fun team. Like, people in the offseason are always like, oh, what happens if the Chargers get in the playoffs? The Chargers can make some noise. This, that, and the other thing. Brandon Staley needs to be fucking put in town square and one of those things where like they put your head through it and your hands are through and just chuck tomatoes at him by all five LA Chargers fans right it's terrible it's terrible and Eckler has been a shell of himself over the last three weeks it is almost shocking watching Eckler run this year compared to last season last week Eckler had 14 carries for 18 fucking yards 14 carries for 18 yards I'm convinced I might be able to do better I wouldn't do better at a 14 carries for negative 72 yards and fucking six broken ribs, a concussion, and my head might be backwards. But at the end of the day, it's embarrassing for Eckler to be this bad. He fucking sucks. Two receptions on three targets for nine yards. I don't know who to blame. Staley, Kellen Moore's dumbass, Herbert, the pervert, blaming everyone. I don't have the balls of Stan Marsh to sit him, right? I'm not sitting Eckler. But he's no longer a must-start. I hope the bounce back's here against the Broncos. But again, I'm not going to guarantee it. Right? I'm not going to Joe Namath in the Super Bowl. Not the, I'm not... I, I'm, not I'm not doing that. Because it's not a guarantee. Right? He's been a shitty running back three straight weeks in a row. And while I know, you know he's still got that dog in him, hasn't came out recently. And uh, might not come out this week. Joshua Kelly is starting to look better. Because Eckler looks so bad, right? Kelly hasn't looked any different, but he just looks better because Eckler looks like dog shit. Even with that said, you'd have to be smoking that shit Aaron Rodgers does to start Joshua Kelly. Now we move to, because you waited all day for Sunday night. The Philadelphia Eagles at the Dallas Cowboys. Now, Hertz did get banged up last week against the 49ers when they got throttled. And then he returned at the end of the game, so he should be good to go. You want to know who else got derailed got clobbered that would be deandre swift who got clobbered against the 49ers got hit with the one two fucking mayweather but i think he's going to be healthy for this game swift has been on a downward spiral two straight games outside the top 30 but i think he should be healthy for this game he'll be ranked in the running back 18 range again i'm i i know the offense is great i know the offensive line is great but i'm starting to worry i'm starting to worry that, you know, the fact that he's never going to get a touchdown on the goal line, if he's not getting the correct amount of touches, he's basically fucked because he's not going to just fall ass backwards into the end zone, right? There are garbage running backs that will fall ass backwards into the end zone and save their day. DeAndre Swift is not afforded that because of the tush push. Again, am I sitting Swift on most teams? Of course not. But I'm just not as excited right now because I'm starting to panic. And again, the Dallas team looks pretty, pretty, pretty good. But again... Philly will probably end up butt-fucking him anyways. Kenneth Gainwell was the RB24 last week, which is very nice to see and all, but that is his ceiling. Unless for some reason Swift is actually hurt, there's no need to start Kenny G. The sax man in this spot. Now, Tony Pollard. This is a guy that a couple of weeks ago, it felt like the world was collapsing, like it was Chicken Little, right? That's how I really felt. It was like, okay... I like Pollard in the offseason. Nick, you were wrong, right? I was like, okay, I'm an asshole. You know, sometimes you get things wrong. I got it wrong. I saw him by crystal ball. Everything looked fine. And Danny and Dallas, and Dallas kind of not playing the best early on. Their defense really carrying them. And then recently, you know, even through this roller coaster ride of the season, Pollard's been balling over the last three weeks. All three games is a top 12 back with a touchdown in each game. Now this matchup against the Eagles is far from ideal. This is no red panty night for Tony Pollard. But we just saw what the 49ers did to the Eagles. And they teed off on him like Tiger Woods. Pollard has been reliable recently, so I won't quit him now. He is officially in the must-start range. 
Rico Dowdle. You might just get hit with the Rico McMillie. Dowdle has scored three times this season. If he scores, you'll probably be like, eh, that was okay. If he doesn't, you're getting four points with pie on your face. Pause. So no reason to start him. Next up, we move to one of two. Monday night football. The Tennessee Titans at the Miami Dolphins. My type of game is the Dolphins fan. Obviously, the Dolphins are huge favorites in this spot. I think the Dolphins are going to lay a pipe for that ass. Like they're a plumber here. Raheem Mostert, Devin Two chains should be in for great showings. Raheem Mostert and Devin A. Chain hit the Commanders with an Eiffel Tower special. Mostert had 11 carries for 43 yards and one reception on one target for eight yards and a touchdown against a Titans defense that has fallen off quicker than Zach Wilson up against the run. I really think that Raheem Mostert is a must start against the Titans. People don't give Mostert his flowers. I know. Obviously, I'm going to because I'm a Dolphins fan. He's the running back two on the season in PPR. Again, I'm not telling you guys to get down on your knees and give the sucky sucky special here, but I do think that Raheem Mostert deserves his flowers, and he's a lot better than people seem to be giving him the credit for. Devin, two chains. Like I said with Mostert, A-chain and Mostert hit the commanders with a double clothesline. Speaking of clothesline, the most embarrassing moment of my life was when I was a youth. Now again... Nick, this video's already so long. Why are you telling stories? Because I like to let you guys into my life, and there's not a lot of people that are even watching 40 minutes in, so if you're watching right now, make sure you acknowledge that I told this story. Now, I was in about fifth grade. Now, when I was in fifth grade, when I was younger, and up until recently, I was built like a fucking stick, right? I was built like the cinnamon guy from the Apple Jacks commercial. Here I got my M Cinnamon, right? I'm built like that. About the dreads. And... We're playing, what is that game? Like, Red Rover, Red Rover, come on over. And at this point, again, I'm like in fifth grade. I must have been, in my head, I'm like five, I'm not even, I'm probably not even five foot, like four. I don't know, I'm short as fuck. I'm nowhere close to 100 pounds, soaking wet. And I'm like, okay, I could get through, you know, you gotta like run through the people holding on. So I run towards a dude and a chick. And this chick must have been like literally like the, the height of Tyrion Lannister. I'm like, okay, I'm going to run right through there. I'm going to be fine. And I get fucking stonewalled like Jackson. You know, I run into that thing and it's like I hit a brick wall and I fell and I genuinely might have been concussed or something. I fell over and it hit me like I was looking up. Everyone was laughing and I was like, in my head, I'm like, fuck, fuck. You know, I'm, I'm not thinking that exactly because I'm like 10, but maybe I was at that point. I don't know. I'm sitting there, just laying there like an asshole, and I get up, and, like, my vision's all fucked up, and I'm, like, going to the nurse, I'm gonna look like a bitch, so I just go back out there, you know, I'm just playing the game, and the whole time, my head's ringing, and I felt like I just took a right hand from Mike Tyson. I don't know why I even said double clothesline, because this just brought me back to a dark place in my life, <laughs> you know? You know, your life's pretty good if one of the worst things that happens to your life is you in, like, fifth grade or something, so... Again, this is just a funny story, and I just remember that day. And I could still vividly remember it because it was so easy. You're just running there. You, everyone gets through. But me, I get fucking... And it was one of those where they got me, like, they went up, so they hit me, like, like here, like, right in the neck, and they fucking rung my bell, and I fell over. Again, no one gives a fuck. They probably just skipped through this part, but... I just figured I'd bring it up because I thought it was funny. A-Chain went nuclear as a top-five back with 17 carries for 73 yards and three receptions for 30 yards with two touchdowns last week just like Mostert A-Chain is a must-start running back going forward now for the Titans Derrick Henry got taken out of the Titans game last week against the Colts due to what was thought to be a head injury a concussion now it is being reported by coach Rabel yesterday that Henry is not in the concussion protocol prior to getting hurt Henry was going crazy with 21 carries for 102 yards and one catch for 18 yards and two touchdowns the Dolphins defense has gotten so much better over the season and I think Henry, who has looked great in two weeks in a row, really should not be ranked super high this week due to the Dolphins' defense. But we have to acknowledge, even though last week, 21 carries for 102 yards, one catch, 18 yards, two touchdowns, right? Dolphins' defense could get this game to be out of hand, right? The Dolphins get two straight stops early on. The game might be 14-0. The game might be out of reach. And we know what happens when the game script goes negative. And that's that Henry... Gets tugged out like Robert Kraft in a massage parlor, and we see a lot more spears. So again, I'm not very excited about Derrick Henry this week. 
We know any given game, he could just bust one off, stiff arm the whole Dolphins defense to Middle Earth, and walk into the end zone. So I'm never going to tout Derrick Henry as a sit. Assuming he plays, he's a start. But again, not an ideal start this week, like he was last week. He wasn't a more ideal start last week. Tajay Spears, once Henry got knocked out of the game last week, Spears came in and played very well. 16 carries for 75 yards with four receptions on six targets for 13 yards. If Henry does end up missing, then Spears would be in the low end, running back two, high end, running back three range. And if Henry does play, you're sitting them. Next up, we got the Green Bay Packers, the Cheeseheads at the New York Football Giants. Monday Night Football Part 2 at the exact same time as the Dolphins and Titans game. Saquon Barkley, the Giants are coming out of the bye week. Prior to the bye, they had a disaster of a win against the Patriots, winning 10-7. In that game, Barkley barely scored six points. Right, he was scratching and crawling his way to six points. The Packers' defense against the run hasn't been great, and Barkley is too good not to bounce back. With the offense being as bad as they are, though, I'm not going to allow myself to get caught in the, oh my god, he's Saquon Barkley, right? I know he's Saquon Barkley. I know he's really fucking good. But I'm not ranking him inside the top 12. He's a high-end, mid-range, running back two in that range. Matt Burita, when Saquon... Is healthy, Brita is just going to get a few carries that isn't even really worth talking about him. Send him down. I have made fun of A.J. Dillon, Green Bay Packers running back, all season. Saying things like, how the fuck do you have legs the size of tree trunks and you average 3.5 yards per carry? Or how do you see 15-plus carries a game with Aaron Jones out and not even come within striking distance of being a top 12 running back? Or how did everyone suck you off a couple of years when you were getting drafted and now you fucking suck ass? Right? But I would never say any of those things. I'm not saying any of that stuff. I will say that last week, Dylan looked halfway decent, having almost 100 all-purpose yards. Now, this man is allergic to the end zone. But the Giants' defense is so, 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 so bad. If there ever was a week for him to be good, chef's kiss manufique, it would be this week. Now, he's a fringe start because he kind of sucks. But the upside's present against the Giants. Patrick Taylor went 2 for 29 last week in Kansas City, which was, as Borat would say, very nice, I like. But I think we could see more touches for Taylor, but even so, that's not really a guarantee. And five touches, you want him to go for a fucking 100 yards, like that's probably not going to happen. So you're sitting him down. So thank you guys all so much for watching. That is the conclusion of today's video. If you ended up enjoying and you are new, hit that subscribe button like it owes you money. Make sure you leave a like on today's video to help me out a ton. Check out one of the... Point it the wrong way. Put that shit on. Uh, if you guys were watching the Manning cast, Eli Manning hit that, and Tua played the guitar last night, so hit that subscribe button on the screen. Check out one of the videos on your screen if you haven't seen them already. Love you guys all so much. We'll be back later with the wide receiver start or sit decisions for week number 14. Love you guys all. If you guys are new to the channel, make sure you guys hit that subscribe button, hit that like button as well. Love you guys as always. Good boy!